One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of London Ask and Answered. I'm your host, Sasha, here to guide you through the maze of London's history, its transport system, and everything in between. Today, we are going on a journey through time and space, from the depths of the London Underground, also known as the Tube, to the bustling hub of Waterloo Station. We'll explore the sophistication of the Oyster Card and the contactless payment system, and even take a sneak peek at the upcoming Superloop project. I'll be answering questions like, what is the history of the London Underground? How does the Oyster Card work? What's the difference between the London Tube, DLR, London Overground, Elizabeth Line and Tram? What's the difference between an Oyster Card and a Travel Card? How does contactless payment work in London? And what exactly is the Superloop? Whether you are a local, a tourist or just someone with a keen interest in London, this episode is packed with fun facts, interesting stories and answers to questions you didn't even know you had. So, grab a cup of tea, sit back and let's dive into the heart of London. All aboard! Underground, affectionately known as the Tube, is an iconic symbol of London. Its history is a fascinating tale of innovation, expansion and resilience. So let's embark on a journey through time, exploring the captivating history of the world's first underground railway. The history of the London Underground began in the 19th century with the construction of the Metropolitan Railway, the world's first underground railway. The Metropolitan Railway, which opened in 1863 using gas-lit wooden carriages hauled by steam locomotives, worked with the District Railway to complete London Circle Line in 1884. 
The Metropolitan Railway was a pioneer extending as far as Verney Junction in Buckinghamshire, more than 50 miles from Baker Street at the center of London. The first deep-level tube line, the City and Thors London Railway, opened in 1890 with electric trains. This was followed by the Waterloo and City Railway in 1898. The Central London Railway in 1900 and the Great Northern and City Railway in 1904. The turn of the century marked a significant shift in the London Underground's history. Its Central London Railway, known as the Two Penny Tube, opened in 1900, charging a flat fare of two pennies. Initially, electric locomotives hauled carriages, but the heavy locomotives caused vibrations that could be felt on the surface. In 1902-1903, the carriages were reformed into multiple units using a controlled system developed by Frank Sprague in Chicago. The Metropolitan and District Railways, initially using steam locomotives, saw the benefits of electrification. The smoke-filled stations and carriages were unpopular with passengers, and electrification was seen as the way forward. By 1907, the District and Metropolitan Railways had electrified the underground sections of their lines. In 1902, The Underground Electric Railways Company of London, UERL, was established to control these companies and manage the planned works. The UERL built a large power station at Lotts Road, Chelsea, which began generating electricity in 1905. The UERL introduced station name boards with a red disc and a blue bar, and the Met responded with the station boards showing a blue bar on a red diamond. This marked the beginning of the iconic branding we associate with the London Underground today. The UERL also acquired London Bus and Tram Companies in 1912, and the following year the City and South London and Central London Railway joined the company. That year the Great Northern and City was taken over by the Met. The 1920s saw major extensions of the City and South London and the Hampstead Lines. The tunnels of the City and South London Railway were rebuilt to have the same diameter as the other tubes and then extended north from Euston to a junction with the Hampstead Line in Camden Town and south to Morden. In 1933, the underground railways and all London area tram and bus operators were merged into the London Passenger Transport Board, LPTB. The outlying branches of the Metropolitan were closed. Various upgrades were planned. The Bakerloo Lines extension to take over the Metropolitan Stanmore branch and extensions of the Central Northern Lines formed part of the 1930s New Works programming. The LPTB was nationalized in 1948 and the reconstruction of the mainline railways was given priority over the maintenance of the underground. In 1953, an unpainted aluminum train entered service on the district line, and this became the standard for new trains. In 1968-71, the Victoria Line, a new tube line across central London, opened with trains driven automatically. In 1979, another new route, the Jubilee Line, took over part of the Bakerloo Line, and it was extended through the Docklands to Stratford in 1999. 
In the early years of the 21st century, London Underground was reorganized in a public-private partnership, where private companies upgraded and maintained the infrastructure. In 2003, control passed to Transport for London, TFL, which had been opposed to the arrangement and following the financial failure of the infrastructure, companies had taken full responsibility by 2010. The contactless Oyster card was first went on sale in 2003. Today, the London Underground continues to evolve with ongoing upgrade programs to increase capacity on several underground lines. The tube remains an integral part of London's identity, a testament to the city's innovative spirit and resilience. So next time you're traveling on the underground, remember you're not just on a commute, you're on a journey through history. London's public transport system is one of the most comprehensive and intricate in the world, comprising a variety of modes that cater to the diverse needs of its residents and visitors. We will delve into the specifics of five key components of the system. The London Underground, commonly known as the Tube, the Docklands Light Railway, DLR, the London Overground, the Elizabeth Line and the Tram. The London Underground, colloquially known as the Tube, is the oldest and perhaps the most iconic part of London transport system. It began operation in 1863, making it the world's first underground railway. The Tube is primarily a rapid transit system, serving Greater London and some parts of the adjacent counties of Beckhamshire, Hertfordshire and Essex. The tube network is extensive, with 11 lines covering 402 kilometers and serving 270 stations. The lines are identified by public names, for example the Circle Line, and colors, for example yellow for the Circle Line. The tube operates from early morning until around midnight, with a limited night tube service on some lines on Friday and Saturday nights. The tube is known for its distinctive rounded logo, deep-level tube tunnels and unique map, which was designed by Harry Beck in 1931. The map is not geographically accurate, but it's instead of a topological map, which prioritizes the connections between station and lines over the actual physical locations. The Docklands Light Railway, DLR, is an automated light metro system that opened in 1987 to serve the redeveloped Docklands area of East London. The DLR covers 38 kilometers and serves 45 stations. Unlike the tube, the DLR operates on an overhead line system and its trains are driverless. However, a train staff member is present on every journey for safety and customer service. The DLR connects with the tube network at several points and is also integrated with the London's overall transport network. It is particularly known for its elevated tracks, which offer panoramic views of the Docklands and surrounding areas. The DLR operates from early morning until around midnight, similar to the tube. The London Overground is a suburban rail network that serves large parts of Greater London and Herefordshire, with some services extending to Surrey. The Overground began operation in 2007, taking over from several disconnected suburban train lines to form a more cohesive network. 
The overground network comprises 112 stations over nine lines, covering 167 kilometers. The overground trains are similar to those on the tube, but are generally larger and have more seating, reflecting the longer distances they cover. The overground operates from early morning until around midnight, with some lines offering a limited night service. The Elizabeth Line, also known as Crossrail, is the newest addition to the London Transport Network. It is a high-frequency, high-capacity railway serving London and the southeast of England. The Elizabeth Line is designed to ease congestion on the tube and provide better connections across the city. The Elizabeth Line covers over 100 kilometers from Reading to Heathrow in the west, through central London to Shenfield and Abbey Wood in the east. The central section of the line, which runs through new twin-board 21 kilometers tunnel under central London, has opened in 2023. The Elizabeth Line will serve 41 stations, 10 of which are newly built. The trains are larger than those on the tube, with nine carriage trains capable of carrying up to 1,500 passengers. The Elizabeth Line will operate from early morning until around midnight similar to the Tube and DLR. The tram, also known as Tram Link, is a light rail tram system serving the borough of Croydon and surrounding areas. The tram began operation in 2000 and is the only tram system in London. The tram network comprises four lines serving 39 stops over 28 kilometers. The trams are similar to buses, but run on dedicated tracks, offering a smoother and more reliable service. The tram operates from early morning until around midnight, similar to the other modes of transport. The tram is a fast, frequent and reliable service with routes through central Croydon from Wimbledon, Beckenham, Elmas End and New Eddington. The fare structure is similar to that of buses, with a flat fare for all journeys and the ability to make unlimited bus and tram journeys within one hour for a single fare when using pay-as-you-go. Each of these modes of transport serves a unique role within London's overall transport network. The tube provides rapid transit across the city. The DLR serves the docklands and surrounding areas. The overground connects outlying suburbs and the Elizabeth Line offers high-capacity cross-city travel and the tram provides local service in Croydon and surrounding areas. Together, they make London one of the best connected cities in the world. In the bustling, vibrant city of London, the question on every visitor's lips isn't where's the nearest pub or how do I get to Buckingham Palace? No, the question that truly perplexes tourists and locals alike is, should I get an oyster card or a travel card? Let's introduce our contenders. In one corner we have the Oyster Card, a sleek blue plastic smart card that's as synonymous with London as red double-decker buses and black cabs. In the other corner, we have the travel card, a paper ticket that promises unlimited travel and freedom. The Oyster card is the flexible fighter of this match. It's a reusable card that can top up with pay-as-you-go credit. Travel cards and bus and tram passes. It's like a buffet. You only pay for what you consume. 
The oyster cart has a secret weapon called capping. This means that no matter how many journeys you make in a single day, you never be charged more than the price of an equivalent day travel card. It's like having a safety net for the travel expenses. You can get an Oyster card from underground stations, visitor centers and many retail outlets in London. It's like a secret club card that you can get almost anywhere. When you buy a standard Oyster card, you pay a £5 deposit, which is refundable. It's like a trust exercise with the City of London. There are two types of Oyster cards, the standard Oyster card and the visitor Oyster card. The visitor Oyster card has an activation fee of £5, which is non-refundable. It's like a VIP pass for tourists. The travel card is the unlimited underdog of this match. It's a paper ticket that gives you unlimited travel within certain zones. It's like having a golden ticket to the city. Travel cards can be purchased for different lengths of time, one day, seven days, one month or even one year, and can be used at any time with no peak or off-peak restrictions. It's like having a time machine for your travel plans. Travel cards can be purchased from underground stations, visitor centers and online from the TFL shop. It's like a golden ticket that you can get almost anywhere. The prices for an Oyster or travel cards are as follows. Oyster daily cap for zone 1 to 2 is £8.10. One day travel card for zone 1 to 2 in peak 15.20. One day travel card for zone 1 to 2 off peak 15.20. And seven day cap for zone 1 to 2 £40.70. Please note that these prices are subject to change and it's always best to check the latest prices on the official TFL website. It's like checking the weather before you go out. Always a good idea. The main difference between the two is that the Oyster card uses a pay-as-you-go system, while the travel card allows for an unlimited travel within certain zones for a set period of time. It's like the difference between an a la carte and all you can eat. The Oyster card is generally cheaper for most journeys, but the travel card can be more cost-effective if you plan to travel frequently within the zones covered by the travel card in a set period of time. It's like choosing between buying a single slice of pizza or the whole pie. The travel card can be shared, while the Oyster card cannot. It's like having a box of chocolates you can share with friends versus a chocolate bar just for you. The travel card does not require a deposit, while the Oyster card does. It's like renting a flat versus buying one. In the end, the choice between an Oyster card and a travel card depends on how often and how far you plan to travel. If you're planning to make a lot of journeys in a short period of time, a travel card might be more cost-effective. If you're planning to travel less frequently or over a longer period of time, an Oyster card might be more suitable. So, the next time you find yourself in London, don't forget about the great travel debate. Whether you choose the Oyster card or the travel card, you're sure to have a fantastic journey exploring the city. After all, it's not the destination, but the journey that counts. Happy travels! Navigating London's public transport system can be a daunting task, especially when it comes to deciding how to pay for your journey. The two most popular payment methods are the Oyster card and contactless payment cards. But what's the difference between the two? And which one should you use? 
Let's dive in and find out. The Oyster Card is a rechargeable card that is accepted on almost every form of London transport. It's designed to be reused and you can purchase it from most train and tube stations in London. What are the advantages of the Oyster Card? It always works. Not all contactless cards work with the system, but the Oyster Card should always work. If there are problems, you can get support or you get your credit refunded if your card is registered on the TFL website. It's easier to keep track of spending. Because you have to load your Oyster card, it's easier to keep an eye on how much you are spending on London transport. And you can set a limit much easier. It supports travel cards. One of the main advantages of the Oyster card is that it supports travel cards. These are fixed payment prepaid options, where you pay a certain amount for unlimited travel inside specific London zones for a weekly, monthly or annual price. It supports cash. If you want to pay for your transport in London using cash, you can buy and top up an Oyster card with cash. This is normally a lot more cost effective than paying for a paper ticket. It supports concessions. If you're traveling with children or are a London resident who qualifies for one of the discounts and concessions available to adults, you will want to use the Oyster cards and matches your concession in order to get the best deal on transport in London. The disadvantages of the Oyster card. You have to pay a deposit. When you first get an Oyster card, you have to pay £7. This used to be refundable, but as of 2020, the £7 is added to the card as a credit a year after your purchase. It has to be recharged. One of the main downsides of Oyster is that it's a pay-as-you-go card that needs to have a credit on it to use it. It can be used on taxis. There will always be leftover funds because Oyster is a pay-as-you-go system. You have to have funds on the card to use it. Because trips vary in fee, it's almost impossible to get the card to zero. So if you stop using the card, there will be a leftover money on it. So how about the new kit on the block, the contactless payment? The most recent payment option for travel in London is a bank-issued credit or debit card, which has been enabled for contactless transactions. This means that the card has a chip in it that can be read wirelessly when held near a contactless-enabled reader. So what's the advantages of contactless payment? It's already on a card you own. If you already have a supported contactless credit card or smartphone, using this for your travel is more convenient than getting a separate Oyster card. It doesn't need to be charged up. One of the main problems with Oyster is that it's a preload system, so you need to have credit on the card in order to use it. Contactless cards are linked to your bank account. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. So as long as you have credit, you always be good to go. You can use a mobile payment system such as Google Pay or Apple Pay. If your smartphone supports a contactless payment system, then you don't even need to carry a contactless card. You can just link your contactless card to your smartphone payment system and pay with that. One last thing to carry. It can be cheaper in certain situations. Sometimes contactless can be slightly cheaper for daily fares, especially if you're traveling from further out in London, due to a difference in the way daily capping works across zones. What are the disadvantages of contactless payments? Doesn't support all foreign issue cards. You shouldn't have a problem using UK-issued contactless-enabled cards on Visa, MasterCard, Maestro and American Express to pay your travel on London transport. Unfortunately, this isn't true for foreign-issued contactless cards, as standards appear to differ. Then we have the foreign transaction fees. If you are using a foreign issue card, even if it's supported by the Oyster contactless system, you need to check to see if it incurs foreign transaction fees at your bank. Concessions can't be added. A big disadvantage of contactless is that the system currently doesn't support concessions, such as those for senior students and children of certain age. In the majority of cases, if you have a contactless-enabled credit or debit card supported by the London Transport Network, then you should use it to pay for the travel in London. It's the easiest and most convenient way to pay. It's supported on every form of transport, and in most cases, it's either cheaper or the same price of using an Oyster card. However, There are certain situations where an Oyster card might be more beneficial. For example, if you're a visitor to London traveling with children aged 11 to 15, you will want to use the Oyster cards or travel cards in order to get discount travel. Similarly, if you are a senior citizen resident in London, you can use the Oyster cards and matches your concession to get the best deal on transport. Both the Oyster card and contactless payment methods have their pros and cons. The best method for you will depend on your individual circumstances and needs. But no matter which method you choose, you'll be well equipped to navigate the bustling streets of London. In the bustling city of London where the old meets the new and the streets are filled with stories, there's a secret magic carpet that whisks people from place to place. It's not woven from silk or adorned with jewels, but it's just as magical. It's the Oyster Cut, the Travel Cut and the Contactless Payment Methods that make navigating the sprawling metropolis a breeze. The magic carpet in its various forms can take you on a journey through the veins of the city, the London Underground Network, the iconic red local buses, the sprawling railway network in Greater London, the futuristic Docklands Light Railway and Overground Railway. It can even take you on a scenic ride along the Thames with a discount on many scheduled river services.
Now, let's talk the Heathrow Express, the city's magic carpet to the world. Since February 2019, the Oyster Card, contactless bank cards and mobile devices have been accepted on the service. The prices are the same as buying your ticket at the station, with a single peak charged at £25 and off-peak at £22. And the best part? Children aged 15 and under can use a Zip Oyster Card to travel free on the service. It's like a magic carpet ride for the whole family. But what about the other airports? Well, the magic carpet extends its reach to Gatwick Airport as well. Oyster or contactless payment cards can be used on the trains to from Gatwick. But it may be cheaper to buy tickets from the railways instead. Travel cards, however, cannot be used to and from Gatwick Airport. As for Stansted, South End and Luton Airport, they are a bit like the lands beyond the Magic Kingdom. They are outside London and beyond the scope of London Public Transport, or TFL. So the airport buses and trains from these airports are not covered. But fear not, City Airport is serviced by the Docklands Light Railway, DLR, and is covered by the Magic Carpet. Now, Here's a little secret about the magic carpet. Only one person can travel with an Oyster card, as we've learned before. If two people are traveling together, they need two Oyster cards. It's like a magic carpet ride where everyone gets their own carpet. However, if you only have pay-as-you-go credit on your card, another person can use Oyster card when you are not traveling. If you have a travel card, bus and tram pass or discount added to your Oyster account, you can lend it to someone else. No photo is required for an Oyster and your name is not stamped on the card. It's like your own personal anonymous magic carpet. The magic carpet of London, the Oyster card, the travel card and the contactless payment methods, they are your keys to the city. Your ticket to adventure and your passport to the magic that is London. So hop on and enjoy the ride. In the heart of London, where history and modernity intertwine, a new era of public transportation is about to dawn. It's called the Superloop, a network of express limited stop roads that will circle London and connect outer London town centers, hospitals, schools and transport hubs. It's like a superhero of public transport, swooping in to make journeys quicker, more efficient and more sustainable. The Superloop is a key part of the mayor's commitment to improving the bus network in outer London. It's set to add over 4 million additional kilometers to London's bus network. This is on top of the more than 1 million extra kilometers of bus services to which the mayor has already committed. It's like London's bus network is going on a supercharged fitness regime and the Superloop is its personal trainer. Introducing the X34. The first hero in the Superloop lineup is the X34, a new limited express stop bus service proposed for the section between North Finchley and Walthamster. This new express route would run alongside the 221 bus route between North Finchley and New Southgate and the 34 bus route between Arnos Grove and Walthamster. These are the busiest parts of the existing routes and serve areas that are expected to see busier transport services in the future, due to developments at Meridian Water, for example. The X34 would run with buses every 12 minutes from Monday to Saturday and buses every 15 minutes on evenings and Sundays. 
it would be timetabled to run at similar times as a regular day service would. During Monday to Saturday daytimes, there would be a combined frequency at the common stops on the proposed X34 and the 34 buses, but every five to six minutes. It's like the X34 is the express train of the bus world, always ready to whisk you away to your destination. The new X34 route would give people more transport options to move between key locations in Barnet, Enfield and Walthamston Forest. It would provide extra capacity on the busiest parts of the existing routes 221 and 34 and provide quicker journey times to outer London transport and town centre hubs. It would encourage more sustainable journeys in Barnet, Enfield and Waltham Forest. Plus, it would allow passengers on the X34 to connect to 48 other bus routes and four train lines. It's like the X34 is the social butterfly of the bus world, always making connections and introducing you to new routes. The X34 is proposed to stop at key transport interchanges and town center hubs where there is the most demand for more transport options. The Superloop with its express routes and connection to key locations is set to benefit both tourists and locals alike. Tourists will appreciate the quicker journey times and the ability to connect to a wide range of other bus routes and train lines. Locals, especially those in outer London town centers, will benefit from the increased capacity and more sustainable journeys. It's like the Superloop is the ultimate host, catering to the needs of both its guests and its residents. Whether you are local looking for a quicker commute, a tourist wanting to explore the city, keep an eye out for the Superloop. It's set to revolutionize public transport in London and make journeys quicker, more efficient and more sustainable. The future of public transport in London is looking superb. And now it's time for your questions. Julie asks, Hello, I'm in London right now. How do I pay in the DLR with the Oyster card? Was at City Airport at the DLR track. There were only the ticket machines, but nothing to validate the tickets or check in with the Oyster card. Well, if you're coming to a DLR station, the adventure starts right at the beginning, finding the yellow card reader. Unlike the bustling tube stations with their gates and barriers, DLR stations have an open welcoming feel. There are no gates at the DLR station, adding to the sense of freedom and exploration. But don't be fooled by the lack of gates. You still need to tap your Oyster card or other payment card on the yellow card reader before boarding a train. But where are these yellow card readers, you ask? They are usually located near the entrances and exits or on the platform themselves. They are like the guardians of the DLR standing watch and ensuring that everyone pays their fare. So before you board your train, look for the yellow card reader and tap your Oyster card or contactless payment card against it. It's like a secret handshake, a magical ritual that grants you access to the wonders of the DLR. When your journey on the DLR comes to an end, you need to find another yellow card reader. Just like when you started your journey, you need to tap your Oyster card or contactless payment card against the yellow card reader. This tells the system that you finished your journey and ensures that you charge the correct fare. It's like saying goodbye to the guardian of the DLR, thanking it for a safe and enjoyable journey. 
Linda asks, I am coming to London in August. I would like to visit some English gardens. Can you recommend any? Thank you. Sure, I'd be delighted to help you plan your garden tour in London. Here are some of the most beautiful English gardens you should consider visiting. First up, we have the Sky Garden. This is the highest rooftop garden in London. It offers a spectacular view of the city and is home to many gorgeous plants and flowers. Grab a glass of Prosecco from the bar and give yourself plenty of time to enjoy both the flora and the view. Next we have Kew Gardens. Known as the most famous flower patch in England, quite possibly the world, Kew Gardens is a botanical garden spread over 300 acres with over 30,000 species of plants. It's a must visit for any garden enthusiasts. Then we have Kyoto Garden. The peaceful oasis donated by the city of Kyoto in the 90s is inspired by traditional Japanese gardens. It's not enormous, but it's best explored slowly, so plan to spend an afternoon here. Up next we have Chelsea Physic Garden. Established way back in 1673, this garden focuses on the scientific side of plants, including their medicinal uses. It's perfect if you are a secret or out and proud flower geek. Then we have the Isabella Plantation. Located in Richmond Park, this flower garden is packed full of dreamy flowers like colorful azaleas. It's perfect for inspiration for your own garden or just as an Instagram backdrop. Next we have the Queen Mary's Garden. If it's a rose garden you seek, then Queen Mary's Garden in Regent's Park is a place for you. The sight of over 12,000 roses is seriously gorgeous. In fact, there are more than 85 different types of roses in this garden. You're sure to leave with more rose knowledge than you ever even thought possible. Then we have the Hampton Court Palace Gardens. Henry VIII may not have been a stellar husband, but he did have great choices in gardens. You can see for yourself at his old stomping ground, Hampton Court. Here you'll find over 60 acres of perfectly manicured gardens. It's all very aristocratic, with perfectly polished hedgerows and imposing statues. Next we have Kensington Palace Gardens. As you'd expect from the home of the royal family, the summer garden is especially impressive and colorful. Best of all, there's no entrance fee if you don't mind skipping the house, making it one of the best free gardens in London. Next up we have the Buckingham Palace Gardens. What could be more British than checking out the garden at Buckingham Palace? You can even stop in at the tea shop afterwards. As you expect from the home of the royal family, the garden is gobsmackingly pretty. In particular, it's home to one of the most beautiful rose gardens in London. And last but not least, we have the Fulham Palace Gardens. Once the home of the bishops of London, Fulham Palace Gardens is today open for everyone to enjoy and admire. It's a combination of beautiful flower fields, pleasure gardens, as well as kitchen gardens where herbs and spices would have been grown. These are just a few of the many beautiful gardens you can visit in London. Each has its own unique charm and beauty. So I recommend visiting as many as you can during your trip. Enjoy your garden tour! Gabrielle asks, I'm a little confused or maybe just overwhelmed, but can someone explain to me Waterloo Station? Is it a train station or subway station or both? 
Waterloo Station, the heart of London's transport system, is a place where time seems to stand still and rush forward all at once. If you've ever wondered whether it's a train station, a subway station or both, you're not alone. Let's unravel the mystery together, shall we? Waterloo Station, also known as London Waterloo, is a central London terminus on the national rail network in the United Kingdom. It's nestled in the Waterloo area of the London Borough of Lambeth. But wait, there's more. It's also connected to a London Underground Station of the same name and it's adjacent to Waterloo East Station on the South Eastern Main Line. So, in essence, it's both a train and a subway station. The station was opened in 1848 by the London and Southwestern Railway, replacing the earlier 9M station. It was never designed to be a terminus, as the original intention was to continue the line towards the city of London. However, plans changed and Waterloo Station evolved in a somewhat haphazard fashion, leading to difficulty finding the correct platform. Waterloo Station is the busiest railway station in the UK, handling a whopping 41 million passengers in the year of March 2022. It's also the UK's largest station in terms of floor space and has the greatest number of platforms. The station's formal name is London Waterloo and it appears as such on all official documentation. It's located in the London Borough of Lambeth on the south bank of the River Thames, close to Waterloo Bridge and northeast of Westminster Bridge. The main entrance is to the south of the conjunction of Waterloo Road and York Road. Waterloo Station has a rich history with its roots going back to the mid-19th century. Today, Waterloo Station is a bustling hub of activity serving as a critical junction for commuters, tourists and locals alike. It's a place where stories intersect, where journeys begin and end and where the pulse of London can be felt most strongly. So whether you're catching a train to the countryside or hopping on the tube to explore the city, Waterloo Station is your gateway to adventure. So next time you find yourself at Waterloo Station, take a moment to appreciate its rich history and the countless stories that have unfolded within its walls. After all, it's not just a station. It's a testament to London's enduring spirit and constant evolution. Well, folks, we've reached the end of another episode of London Ask and Answered. We've journeyed through the London Underground, hopped on the DLR and even got a sneak peek at the Superloop. But don't worry, there's plenty more of London to explore in our next episode. Now, if you're itching for more London trivia, tips and tales, I've got just the thing for you. My book, London Ask and Answered, your comprehensive travel guide to the big smoke, is now available in both paperback and ebook format. It's jam-packed with everything you need to know about this fantastic city. You can find it everywhere books are sold. It's like having me in your pocket as you navigate the city. And speaking of navigating, why not navigate your way to my social media pages? You can follow me at London Ask for more fun facts, behind-the-scenes peeks, and maybe even a few bloopers. But wait, there is even more! I want to hear from you. You got a burning question about London? Curious about a landmark, a tradition, or maybe just where to get the best fish and chips? 
Send in your questions over social media at London Ask by WhatsApp at 0044-7700-182299, by email at hello at londonask.com or by visiting my website at londonask.com slash ask. Who knows? Your question might be just be featured on my next episode. That's all for today, folks. Remember, in London, every street has a story, every landmark has a legend, and every question has an answer. I'm Sasha, signing off. Keep asking and keep exploring. Until next time, cheerio! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.